What's our response to this loved one? It's the fact that he cannot be fully known. Here's our response if we're seeing it right. It's humility. It's worship. It's reverence. It's awe. It's love. That's our response to our God. When you recognize how great he is, you become so much smaller. He becomes so much greater. And your vision becomes so much clearer. This is the doctrine of God. And he is awesome. And he cannot be fully known. Hi, and welcome back to Live in the Light. I'm your host, Craig Turnbull, and with me today in studio is Pastor Robbie Simons. Today's message, Robbie, how great is our God? Yeah, and we're studying doctrine, you know, and we talked about this at the beginning, the doctrine, the character of God, and how doctrine gets a bad rap in our day. We are trying to redeem this term. We're trying to understand that doctrine simply means teachings. And if you want to know God and love God, you got to know the teachings of God. And so today we're going back to return to these foundational examinations of what God's word has to say about the most important teachings, points of theology, or as we like to say, doctrines, Ever. And so that's that's our desire, information resulting in transformation. Listeners, loved ones, we'd love to hear from you. Live in the light.ca. Craig, you can tell them our phone number too. Yeah, it's one 844 light And we should also mention that during this doctrine series that we're running, we also have available to our listeners a resource which is completely free to you. It's a videoed conference. It's our roundtable discussion as, as Pastor Robbie and others walk through these very foundational truths and examine how they apply to our lives. And so that's if that's you and you want to go deep with these doctrines, if you want to go deep with these teachings, make sure you check us out online at liveinthelight.ca. Well, let's get to today's teaching again. How great is our God? Here again is Pastor Robbie. This is something that in his perfect sovereignty he has decided to do. This contributes to the fact that he cannot be fully known. What is the application to this truth of his infinite nature, his perfection, the fact that we are sinful to understand him truly, that God decides what is known? What do we respond to? The majesty and the glory and the the omniscience and omnipotence and omnipresence of our God. What's our response to this loved one? It's the fact that he cannot be fully known. Here's our response if we're seeing it right. It's humility. It's worship. It's reverence. It's awe. It's love. That's our response to our God. When you recognize how great he is, you become so much smaller. He becomes so much greater. And your vision becomes so much clearer. This is the doctrine of God. And he is awesome. And he cannot be fully known. The greatest application I think of this, and as I've said, is the application of love. Because of point one, this is so amazing that God cannot be fully known, but, but here's point two when it comes to the incomprehensibility or the knowability of God. Number two is this, is that yet we can know God truly. Our God is so far above us. Our God is incomprehensible, yet we can know our God truly. He has allowed himself to be known. 
I mean, just stop and consider what this is saying. God is incomprehensible, yet God has made himself known. The God who is transcendent, the God who is other, the God who is infinite and holy, who is perfect and majestic, this awesome God has allowed himself to be known, listen, listen, by you and to be known by me. That is glorious. So at first take, when you see the truth that God cannot be fully known, that he is so far above us, that could lead to despair. Think, how could I ever reach this God then if he's so perfect and I am not? But when you combine truth number one with truth number two today, with point number one and point number two, then all of a sudden there's joy. Then all of a sudden there's delight. Then all of a sudden there's this astounding realization that I can know this all-knowing God. I can know him personally. And, 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 and he knows me. And I can speak with him, and I can ask of him, and I can learn of him. Listen, just imagine, I can worship the God of the universe. The God of the universe who is perfect, who's infinite, who's all glorious. He hears this right now. He sees you where you are. He's made all the stars in the universe, but he knows you by name. He has formed you and created you. This God wants to be known by you and loved by you. That's got to produce some awe or worship or something. It's got to cause you to come alive. It's got to cause you to put down the TV remote just for a few minutes and just stop and think and consider and wonder how can this be that this God up there wants to dwell in here how is it possible that the God that I can't even wrap my mind around in any fraction cares for me so but he does the knowability of God incomprehensible that he can be known Jeremiah chapter 9 together please Jeremiah chapter 9 Turn like the wind to Jeremiah chapter 9. Verse 23. Jeremiah 9. You check this out. All that we've heard so far. In the name of Jesus, I pray this just hits you. It hits you so hard. Oh, Holy Spirit, teach us. Change us. I don't want this to be a message for an hour. I want this to be a message, Lord, for a lifetime. It's too important, God. Jeremiah 9. Look at it. Thus says the Lord. Doctrine of inspiration right there. Thus says the Lord, verse 23. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this. What, Lord? What are we to boast in, God? What do you want us to do? That he understands and knows me. That's the boast of our lives right there. That we understand and know this God. Listen, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love and justice and righteousness in the earth. For in, don't miss this. For in these things, I delight declares the Lord. Our boasting, our delight, our purpose is in the pursuit of the knowledge of our God. Don't miss this either. This is an invitation. Better yet, this is a command from God himself. He's saying to you today, look right here, look right here. He's saying to you tonight, to you, he's saying, know me. My command to you, child, know me. Pursue me. 
Gain knowledge of me that you might love me. This is what he's saying to you. This God who is so great, he says to you right now, I'm commanding you, I want you to know me. I want you to pursue me. I want you to run after me through the truth of my word, through the teachings, through the doctrines. I want to change you through the knowledge of me is what he's saying. Do you see how this is the heart of our series? This is you cannot truly love God unless you truly know God. It's right here. It's here again. The pursuit of the knowledge of God, not for information, but for transformation. This is what we can't miss out on. And notice right here in this text, why does God want us to know him? His steadfast love, his justice, his righteousness. And don't miss this either, he says. He says, why, God, do you want us to know you? Jeremiah 9, verse 24, for in these things I delight. I delight, declares the Lord. The only way you truly know what God delights in, ready, is if you know him. You cannot know what God delights in unless you know him. That's why loved one's doctrine is so glorious. It's the doctrines, it's the teachings that point us to God to truly know him, even though he's incomprehensible. And here's another beautiful doctrine that conveys the same truth. You have to know these terms, transcendence versus imminence. The transcendence of God versus the imminence of God. I love this truth so much. I love this doctrine so much. The transcendence of God means that God is majestic and holy and far greater than his creatures. And then the imminence of God is even though he is so holy and greater than us, God is near and present and wants to be fully involved with his creatures. The transcendence but the imminence, and the reason I love this so much is because it's, again, it's our, it's our purpose. It's this whole message wrapped up in this beautiful doctrine. Isaiah 57, uh, verse 15. Here it is, the transcendence and imminence of God in one verse. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, transcendence, whose, whose name is holy, transcendence. I dwell in the high and holy place, transcendence. But listen to what he says. I dwell in the high and holy place and also the beauty, the glory, the love of our God and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, imminence, awesome God, transcendence, but his imminence that he wants to dwell with the broken, with the contrite, with the lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Don't you see right now? He wants to revive you. He wants to revive your heart, but you must see him as high and holy and lifted up in worship. You can't take him casually. You can't be reverent. You can't treat him like a vending machine. You can't go up to him and just have your wish list from him. You got to start with your wonder list of your God. You got to literally fall on your knees before him and love him. You have to worship him and praise him and declare how great he is for all the reasons he's given to you right now. You have to find some time, sometime very soon, where it's you and him and your face is on the ground and you are shedding tears and adoration and love for how awesome he is. And at that moment, you will find the imminence of God flowing into your heart and your soul. At the moment you praise him as he deserves to be praised is the moment he comes and fills you, is the moment he comes and revives you, is the moment that you know his love and it will not be found otherwise. That's the way this works. That's who our God is. He is awesome. And he's calling us for a greater vision. Why? Because he loves us. 
How many of you are struggling with details of your life right now and you're worried and you're anxious? The moment you look at your God and you see him in his glory is the moment and those things start to go away pretty quick. That is just a fact. That is the truth. The reason that's a fact is because when you're staring in the greatness and the glory of God, you don't have time to worry about things that don't matter. You don't have time to be concerned about what's going to happen tomorrow or whatever when you're just staring in the face of the greatness and the majesty and the perfection of your God. There's nothing he cannot do. There's no one he cannot save. There's no problem that he's stressed out about ever, ever, ever. And the more you see him and you get his thoughts and the more you are transformed by that, the beauty and the power of the transcendence of God and the imminence of God. And I walk you through that, that you might know that God wants to be known so far above us that he desires to dwell in us. Just, just, just start there's so far above us, but he desires to dwell in us. Maybe even like, maybe right now we just, we just pause and close our eyes and just, and just worship him for, for that truth right there. I mean, just why not? Father, you, you are so far above us, but you desire to dwell in us. That is awesome. You are holy. You are holy, God. We love you, God. God, we are, we are totally amazed. We, we can't fathom if we think on this long enough, Lord, with purity and sincerity. We worship you because of that truth right there. And to think that you want us to know you more. Please, Lord, may there be incense of worship and prayers being revealed to you even now in this church. Think of how God wants us to know him and to know him more. Second Peter chapter one, uh, verses two and three. We got second Peter chapter one. Do we got that? Do we got that? Here we go. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. Okay, listen, listen. You want grace, divine resources. You want peace, divine tranquility. This will be multiplied to you. How? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord. His divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I want that power. How? Through the knowledge of him. Through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence. John 17, verse 3. And this is eternal life. What's eternal life? That they know you. It's knowing God. That's eternal life. It's knowing his character. It's knowing his glory. It's knowing his son, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Philippians 3, verse 8. My all-time favorite verses. Paul says, I count everything as lost. Why? Because of the surpassing worth, value, treasure of knowing. Of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And see what happens. He knows his Savior. He knows his God. And therefore, everything else is dung. Everything else is as rubbish. It's garbage. It's trash. When compared to the beauty and the majesty of knowing Jesus Christ and knowing God the Father, we need a greater vision of our God. Enough of these petty pursuits, loved ones. Let's resolve again today. Enough of these petty, paltry pursuits. Enough of these arguments that we get ourselves in all the time over ourselves and over things that don't even matter. 
Can't you sense the freedom that could come to your heart if you start seeing God as he wants you to be seen? Can't you imagine the arguments you will not get into? Can't you imagine the stresses you will not have? Can't you imagine the vision that you will be given if you allow yourself to see as God wants you to see? Can you imagine how awesome that would be? And can you imagine it can actually happen in the lives of those who are trusting him and believing him for this? This is what God wants to do within your life. Here's the last thing I want to do today when it comes to the doctrine of God. Just a, just a sliver, just a sliver of who he is and how he's revealed himself. You could ask this question, how does God allow himself to be known? How can I see him more clearly? Again, four main ways that God reveals himself to us. It's good doctrine right here. Four ways. He reveals himself to us in actions, in names, in images, and attributes. Actions, names, images, and attributes. How does God reveal himself by his actions? Well, the actions of God, um, consider this. God shows us who he is in what he does. Consider creation. Consider all that we take for granted. But if you stop again a few weeks ago, if you look at the snowflake long enough, if you look at how a human being is, is formed long enough, if you contemplate the stars in the universe long enough, if you sit there and watch uh, grass grow long enough, if you do anything in creation and watch it long enough, it results in an attitude of worship in revealing the nature of our God. God also, his actions uh, through creation in speaking, God speaks to us. He seeks out humans. Just think of Adam and Eve originally in the garden and pursuing them and talking with them and communicating to them. But think of also God as he pursues his people, the Israelites, in rebellion and sin. When they are fleeing him, his actions reveal his heart, his character, his love as he pursues them. Through Moses, with the Ten Commandments, he reveals his word through special revelation again of, of the Bible itself. God reveals to us his actions, his holiness and his wrath through things like the flood. He, is, he has revealed himself to us and, and, and who he is and what he cares about. But think of what he's shown to us through the cross of Jesus Christ. Think of the action of God of love revealed through his son by dying on the cross for your sins and mine. Are you here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? I beg you to listen. I beg you to hear that the Lord Jesus Christ died for you. That if you place your faith in him, that if you're looking for why you exist and you want purpose, it's to understand that you have sin that needs to be forgiven only through the blood of Jesus Christ, only by believing in him for what he has done and not from what you have done in any way whatsoever. That is when a person is truly saved. You can Confess with your mouth. You believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and you too shall be saved is what the Bible says. This is the action of God in love and you are here tonight hearing about his action by sending his son to die a horrific death to bear the punishment and the wrath of God himself because our sins were on Jesus Christ. That's God's action. This is how he has revealed himself to us. The actions with his creation and in creation. The actions of God. The names of God. The names of God. Just a couple of names of God. God has revealed himself. Listen, by allowing himself to be named. The greatest name that God has received is the name Yahweh. The name translated all capitals in our Bible, Lord. The name that can be communicated as 
I am. In Moses first revealed in the burning bush, you tell them that I am sent you. What does this mean? Most likely I am Yahweh. Lord means that God is eternal, self-existing, self-sufficient, unchanging. And think about this. God is referred as I am, yet Moses also called God the God of my fathers. Think about that. Eternal, self-existing, perfectly awesome, the I am. And at the same time, here's the imminence. He's the God of my fathers. So above, it's so near. Hear this, loved ones. The name of God reveals the character of God. And that's why you can never, ever, ever take the name of God in vain. You don't ever mess around. Don't be trite. Don't you ever sit there and think that somehow you can call out God's name in any way that is not reverent. And somehow, because when, when you speak the name of God, Jesus Christ, Yahweh, Lord, you are revealing, you are saying, this is his character. And think of how his name then is so abused and used as swear words and, and, and ripped through the mud and again. And then the time will come and you, and you beg for repentance and mercy upon the lives that are doing this. The time will come. They will stand before and they will realize the character that they were blaspheming. This is the seriousness and the significance of our God, Yahweh, revealing himself as Lord. Here's another name that God has taken on. The name Jealous. In Exodus, God is named, your name is Jealous, and you are jealous for your people. Such an appropriate name, because only God, when he's jealous, he's jealous, not like us, not in our sinful jealousy. He is perfectly jealous because he is perfectly deserving of perfect worship, of, of wholehearted worship from us. This is what he is entitled to because that's who he is. Movie actor uh, Brad Pitt Brad Pitt explaining why he abandoned Christianity. He spoke for many when he said, um, I didn't understand this idea of a God who says, you have to acknowledge me. You have to say that I'm the best and then I'll give you eternal happiness. If you won't, then, then, then you don't get it. It seems to be about ego. Brad Pitt says, I can't see God operating from ego, so it made no sense to me. Here's what the author says about Brad Pitt's comment. Pitt's, oper here's the thing. Pitt's operating assumption, as with every fallen human being, is that he is like God. After all, what Pitt does here, he places God and humanity in equivalent moral positions as if God and humans are entitled to the same things. You see? That's where human, humankind just goes so wrong. They approach God like, God, you owe me because we're on the same playing field. We are the same. Hello, hello. Here where the glory's found. Here where life is found. And when you say, depart from me, I'm a sinful man, oh God. Uh, these coal on my lips burning as Isaiah in the temple and the glory and the holiness of God. Ezekiel can't even describe God. He, it's, like, it's like this. It's, it's, it's like the appearance. It's like, and the more he tries to describe it, the more vague in some ways the description gets because of the majesty of the holiness and the greatness of God. God is not like us. And when he takes a name such as jealousy, or jealous, he is perfectly entitled to do so. God reveals us through actions and through his names, and listen, through images, the images of God. God gives us images to illustrate his attributes. Think of how the Bible describes our awesome God. Just a few, Father, King, 
consuming fire, judge, husband, shepherd, potter, farmer, refiner, landowner, lion, bear, light, water, tower, and lamb. There's so much more though. Think of how God gives us these images and how it relates to so many different people describing the nature and the character of God. But these images are not isolated. They are perfectly united together as only God can claim. So rock equals strength. Lamb equals tender and gentle. Tower equals protection. Husband equals loving and faithful. The images of God given to us in scripture to reveal the nature and character of God. And the fourth thing I said was the attributes of God. The attributes of God is what God reveals to us to let us know who he is and what he's done. And the attributes of God, I can't get into it today, but the attributes of God are typically divided into two main categories. The attributes of God are divided as incommunicable attributes and communicable attributes. Here's some basic definitions. I'm not going to dwell on this a lot. The incommunicable attributes of God are aspects of God's character that God does not share with us. There's other ways to divide the attributes of God, but this is probably the most common one. So these are attributes of God that really we don't relate to because they're not like us at all. So eternity, the omnipresence of God, independence, his perfection, we are not those things. We don't hold those things. But the communicable attributes of God are attributes of God's character that God shares with us or communicates with us. Now, as I'm explaining these things, there are ways in which there's crossover. This is not a perfect separation, but it gives you a sense of, of what we're talking about, the communicable attributes, what God shares with us. So, so, so God is love, but, but in us, we are growing in love too. We share this attribute with God. He is, he is perfect wisdom, but we are growing in wisdom in the ways of Jesus Christ. God is mercy, and we are able to show mercy, and God is perfectly just, but we are also pursuing justice in our lives as well, and you can go on like that. The attributes of God that helps us to see, to understand, and to know who our God is and what he has done. But again, here's my heart for today. Why does God go to such effort to reveal his nature to us, whether through actions, names, images, or attributes? It's because the God who is incomprehensible desires to be known. He is so awesome and filled with such love. Listen, he calls us to a greater vision today and he does it through doctrine. Loved ones, the single most important concept in this life you will ever have is your concept of God. That's it. The single most important concept you will have that will determine so many other factors, every other factor within your life in some way is your concept of God. Is he high and holy in your heart? Or is he somewhere else? Is he a compartment? God is asking from us today. He's asking us for a greater vision of him, of who he truly is. And the church loved ones will only be as powerful as their vision of God. When the, when the elevation of God or the concept of God in the church declines, everything else will decline with it. That's why then the doctrine of God is so important that we remind ourselves this life is not about our petty little selfish desires. This life is about the awesome, glorious, majestic God who cannot be fully known, but at the same time, astoundingly wants to be known by us. Hey, Live in the Light listeners, listen, you've heard of Black Friday. You probably heard of Cyber Monday. 
that have you heard of Giving Tuesday? That's a time, again, for people who are fired up about ministries like Live in the Light to give on Tuesday, November 29th to, again, ministries like ours to see the gospel continue to go forward and lives to be changed through the revelation of God's truth. Did you know that we are kept on the air on this station 100% by generous donors like yourselves? It's so true. We are dependent on you and the support and prayer, again, of our listeners to continue to see these messages go out and we pray reach so many people again for the Lord Jesus Christ. And this year we're excited to say we had a special donor step up and they are willing again to match gifts up to $25,000. They're going to match again all donations up to that amount towards living the light in this giving season. So hey, maybe right now you you would consider being used of the Lord to uh, see how you can be used to give generously, to live in the light that will continue to reach people again a donor is going to match up to $25,000 we're so thankful for that donor and thankful for you for considering being used in this way at this time to see light shine in the darkness and to see those again without hope to find the hope that is found in Jesus Christ bless you all for prayerfully considering such things I'm Craig Turnbull and on behalf of Robbie Simons we invite you to join us again next time on live in the light